What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. And of course, as always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we will be celebrating the 25th anniversary of Can't Hardly Wait as we review that for the 3FN Movie Club Review. But before we can get there, I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. First up, the man that after watching Can't Hardly Wait got a got thought he was in the Speed Force and returned to 1998 and then partied like it was 1999. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ron. I'm so fucking hungover, man. You don't understand. <laughs> it's, it's like the worst oh, hot tub time machine flashback. Yeah. Dude, it was so bad. I, I think I brought the crabs back with me, too. <laughs> well, you know, you're supposed to leave them alone. When they said all you can eat, they didn't mean bring them with you. And not those crabs either. Hopefully you got the shears out. And, of course, the other man sitting here doesn't need an introduction. But he has the longest introduction in all podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you hashtag Big Natty Cool. Hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style. Hashtag Challenge Accepted. Hashtag Diesel Malenko because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. It's Diesel. If we ever become huge, I want to be like the spokesperson for a crab shampoo. <laughs> or Joe's Crab Shack? No, just hit it with the shampoo. Kill him, not kill him dead. <laughs> it's a diesel. You know what gets in your way, guys? Crabs. Oh. But it can be solved easily with Rit. <laughs> can you just imagine being like this little white crab outfit, just being like in a forest of hairs, just doing a commercial like that? I don't think you should be in the crab outfit. I think you should be. I think it should be a wandering around of what looks like red pubes, and there should be a guy who looks unsightly. And there should be somebody in the crab outfit chasing that guy. And then you step in like, boom, tough act into act and only yeah. it's crap. <laughs> and then you just start hitting off the, the taglines. Oh. You know what Rick does? Kills crabs dead. <laughs> and then like to end the commercial, I just see you with a big thing of crab legs. And crab legs, see crab legs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make that happen somehow. <laughs> if oh. there's anybody out there that can pull that shit off, it's you, my, my friend. All right. Well, before we jump into the show, Ron, how has been your week? Uh, actually, it was a long week. Uh, had to work overtime Wednesday, so missed the Wednesday game group. Uh, so slept like shit Wednesday. Thursday rolled around, went to the movies, got got out late, so slept like shit Thursday. Yep. So Friday had our game group and my one Friday game group, but it was more just pushing the story along, so it wasn't really a lot of action, and we just were talking a lot more, and then you know finally caught up on some sleep over the weekend. Nice. So it's been pretty lame for me. Ron just slept like shit. That's this yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, Diesel, how's been your week? It's been a week. Uh, Saturday, I was running the game store by myself. Usually when I run the game store, I at least have a little helper with me. This week, uh, this weekend, I did it solo, and it was a hellish experience. Uh, but we got through that. And then Sunday, I had lunch with a couple friends from work over at Royal Indian. I really like Indian food. And then I went over to my dad's for Father's Day, had a good visit with him, and had to deal with some little <laughs> bit of drama. But we're through that, and now we're back to the regular work week. 
Yeah, my weekend was pretty uh, mundane, if you will, this week. It was nice. It was like kind of a, a step off from a wrestling weekend. So no no big events this weekend. Next weekend, not the same as well. Next weekend, I'm packed up to the brim because I got my kids' graduation, AEW uh, slash New Japan, Wrestling's Forbidden Door, and all that happy stuff. That's this upcoming weekend. But this past weekend, you know, I had a good Father's Day. Got a nice card from, from the kid. That was cool. Uh, he tried to get me, tried to make me cry. Didn't work. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that I wasn't touched, but I was not going to let my exterior show that because then they win. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't allow that to happen. So, uh, but I was still touching. Very nice of him. Uh, then, uh, yeah, we went to see the movie with you guys on Thursday. Had a great time. So, well, I had a great time with you guys. <laughs> so, speaking of that movie, we went to see The Flash. And uh, we are, we, if you notice, we are doing Can't Hardly Wait. But if you would like to hear our Flash review, we will be doing that exclusively for our patrons over at patreon.com slash 3FN podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you can help support the show and get bonus content like that. Uh, so I know that's a, sh- uh, you know, a shill right there, but that's how we're rolling on it. And uh, that will be coming out, as a matter of fact, right after this show comes out. Because if you guys don't know, the patrons get the uncooked hooked edition of the 3FN podcast every week. They, so they get it on Monday nights and it's unedited and uh, there's bonus stuff in it because we usually talk and have some fun and make some jokes and laughs. And then on top of that, uh, they're getting a bonus content. So the Flash is bonus content to them. Trust me, we do have to keep Diesel's thoughts behind a paywall sometimes. <laughs> and this is one of those cases where we're going to keep the Diesel's thoughts behind a paywall because of uh, what does our lawyers say? Detrimental to our existence, I yes. think is what that we were told. So if you guys want to find out what that actually means, Patreon, a dollar, I think is very affordable and you help support this show. But that's where The Flash will be. And of course, uh, later this week, uh, I'm dropping a review for The Blackening because I'm, I'm going to go see The Blackening because I haven't had time yet, but I'm going to go see it. So it's going to drum out this week. And I know next week we're going to be doing some bonuses because next week's 3FN Movie Club review is the 25th anniversary celebration of The Truman Show. And that is based on the fact that Diesel has never seen The Truman Show. And uh, if you have been with us through the 2020 pandemic, there was uh, what carried us through was Diesel's delusions. He he admit, he took one for the team and admitted that uh, he feels like he's in a, in a TV show where he's the star and everybody else is paid actors, but he doesn't know that they're paid actors. And me and Ron instantly went like the Truman Show, and he goes, "I've never seen it." Yes. So finally, 25th anniversary is this month. We're gonna watch the Truman Show, and then we're gonna discuss how it's similar to what he believes. Again, I don't know if it's a TV show or if I'm in a simulation, but I did run into some NPCs at the Indian place. Oh, well. <laughs> both times I've been there, I've seen the same group of four people that weren't Indian. <laughs> I'm saying there's NPCs there. Okay, well, we're going to dive into that more next week. But before we dive into this week's episode, we got to get some of that business out of the way. So here's some shameless opening plugs for you. Of course, if you would like to contact us, get any of our information, social media links, other links, it's simple. Go to 3fnpodcast.com. That's right. It's your one-stop shop for everything 3FN. Uh, there you'll find out the social media links, the Public link, the Patreon link, which I just mentioned, patreon.com slash 3fnpodcast. $1 a month, ton of extra bonus content, help support the show. That's the drive home right there. Also, while you're there, there's uh, spots for the 3FN podcast for 607TWS, the wrestling show, which I do every week with Ken M from the OD ph podcast talking all things pro wrestling and as a matter of fact there's even a spot friends of the show where you can find links to the odph odph podcast.com sorry and the odph podcast you can stream it right from our website as well also while you're there check out the musical directory that's where the bands that provide us with music so we don't get hit with any of those dreaded dmcas are all listed including 
Big shout outs to our friends Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song for the 3FN podcast you hear at the beginning of the show every week. By the way, Shout at the Robots, back performing live. So I'm going to have to get out and get, go see all of them because I love those guys. I love the music. So support them and all those other great bands on YouTube Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp. Also, while you're at it, check out the sponsor section. Those are the people who allow this show to come to you commercial-free each and every week. Quick shout-outs to Rex Rod's Auto Detailing, Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Go to SciFiHorrorFest.com for tickets and information for August 25th and 26th at Vernon, New York, Vernon Downs Casino. And, of course, our good friends over at Dubby Energy, Dubby.gg. Use that promo code 3FNPOD to get 10% off. But most importantly, our biggest sponsor and the people who provide us with the 8122 Production Studios and allow all this to happen, our good friends at Dragon Master Games. Visit them on the World Wide Web for all your match gathering and gaming needs. DragonMasterGames.com And once again, if you forget any of that information, it's simple. 3FN Podcast.com's got your hookup. I like the fact that I'm uh, kind of getting that consolidated a little earlier now. Nice. Like I said, I know I speak too fast sometimes. I'm just trying to get the information out there. 3FNpodcast.com. Yeah. It's simple. It's easy peasy. Lemon easy. But you guys didn't come here to hear me shill, baby shill. No, you also didn't come here to hear us talk about our weeks, although we, we appreciate it. We hope you have a lovely week, too, and all of you fathers had a great Father's Day and everything else. It's time, though, to jump into the show, and you know we like to kick the show off by visiting... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. Got a pretty exciting box office with everything in the double digits, and it's a pretty uh pretty box office um heavy hitter week. Coming in at number five, The Little Mermaid with eleven point six million dollars. Number four. Transformers Rise of the Beast with another $20 million. Wow, that's a lot still. Even being a four spot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, co- uh, coming in at number three, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse pulling in another $27.8 million. Damn. I like it. Debuting this week at number two, Elemental with $29.5 million. I thought that would be higher, but they're, I guess not. Yeah, they're saying it's a kind of a disappointing opening, but this movie can be out all summer. It's a kid's movie, so it'll, it'll make its money. And then debuting at number one, The Flash with $55.1 million. You know, I've heard arguments for people saying that uh, to defend The Flash, saying that it's because uh, people don't want to go to theaters and it's too expensive to go to theaters. Well, when every movie's in the double digits and, you know, we're in the second week and a movie like Transformers in the second week is still pushing over $20 million, and its third week, Spider-Verse is pushing over $20 million. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case. Yeah. And once again, there was a time and place where movies like that would have hit out of the park. And once again, we're doing the Flash review on Patreon for the patrons. But I will say this about the Flash. I uh, I don't recommend it. I'll, I'll say that spoiler free. Do not recommend it. I was not a fan of the movie. And it has nothing to do with the reasons that people like to throw around. Because I I don't let the fact of you know what happens in Ezra Miller's real life affect the movie. Uh, I'm I'm sure that part of the reason I didn't like the movie was because it affected the camp the campaign for the movie yeah. and probably some of the things that would have been awesome surprises were no longer awesome surprises. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about without talking about spoilers. And I just think that people saw through it and there was a lot of people who for whatever reason loved it and that's fine if you love it. I've always said love what you love. The problem is is that watching that movie I'm just like Eesh. 
and I saw Transformers Rise of the Beasts, and most of the action scenes of that were CGI, no problems. So read into that what you will. I saw Fast 10. So those action scenes in CGI, a lot better. Do not recommend Flash. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. But uh, if you want to hear the full review, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast. All right. Coming out this week on June 23rd, we have God is a Bullet. Okay. No Hard Feelings starring Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, the rom-com super spectacular. Uh, there is a challenge on the internet we talked about. Uh, there's some people who've said, hey, listen, everybody, to, to prove a point, everybody go see uh, that movie. So that way it does more money than The Flash. <laughs> We'll see what it happens. I don't know if that. I don't know if I go to. I don't know if I hate watch movies, but I'm sure some people will. Yeah. And then also coming out this week, Asteroid City, starring everybody. Yes, and that that's one of those things that looks amazing. Uh, we have talked about possibly if we go see it because there's a possibility we're going to go see that on Thursday night in our normal slot. Even though we're reviewing Truman Show next week, if we do, that'll be over on Patreon. We'll do a review of it over there next week. But yeah, it was confusing to me when it first came out because it looks like a movie I like because I like those quirky kind of movies. But at the same time, I'm like. Uh, you know, we've had a couple of those quirky movies lately where the payoff was not good. <laughs> I heard the twist on a review on NPR, and it was like, it kind of got me more into wanting to see it now. Well, Thursday, we're probably going to yeah. go see it, let's be honest. And then uh, we'll pass that out on Patreon, because obviously next week, Truman Show, and there's a whole wealth of story, as I pointed out, about that review. And coming out on June 30th, we have Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, because mermaids suck. And Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And by the way, that week, that will be the 3FM Movie Club review, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I do love the fact that the uh, the Kraken movie had a trailer before Little Mermaid. That was perfect. Yes. And it was crapping on mermaids, so that was always fine. Well, Diesel, now that we're done with the box office and what's coming to the theaters, it is now time for the signature top three. Oh, no, not another teen movie. What are your top three favorite teen comedies? By the way, my number three is not another teen movie. <laughs> I don't know how you knew that because I definitely didn't share that with you since the production meeting. So that is actually my number three. Not another teen movie is my number three comedy. Uh, my number two, and like I said, this is such a hard one. There are so many great teen comedies, especially from our day and age. Like when you really go back and you think about it, you're like, man, these are great ones. Uh, my number two, though, man, putting a gun to my head. Putting an absolute gun to my head. And, and it, it, believe it or not, it was a teen movie for our time. Scary movie. Oh, yeah. Because everybody in that movie was still young when we when it was made. Now, not so much. And then last but not least, at the number one slide, it's been there for years. And by the way, I know that it's also a drama. But let's be honest, it's a lot of comedy, too. That, of course, is Varsity Blues in the number oh, one yeah. slot. It's my favorite drama, teen drama. Yeah. And it's also my favorite teen comedy. And it fits both very yeah. well. You're up, Ronald. Um my, number three I, is super bad. I, I enjoyed that when that came out. That's awesome. It's, it was one of those movies that came out at the right time, and it was just something a little different for the teen movie genre. I know I was older than what it, you know a teen watching it at the time, but it, it just hit home. It still was entertaining. Yeah. Uh, number two, I'm going with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bueller. Ooh, I, I fucking love that movie. It was Bueller. One of those movies that Bueller. Um, my one uh, teacher in high school, our uh, printing computer graphics teacher. 
at the end of the year. We watched it every year. He's like, yep, we're watching this. Here you go. Great movie, though. <laughs> Legendary movie. And then, number one, I'm putting Van Wilder because that's just, you know. Yeah, we knew that was coming. Let's he was damn near 30. It, by the yeah. way, he was, in, he was in there for a better part of a decade. <laughs> by the way, did you know that Van Wilder, based on Burt Kreischer? Yes. Yes. How fucking crazy. Like, Loosely when I found based, that yeah. When I found that out later in life, I'm like, I now do despise yeah. Van Wilder. I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't hate Burt Kreischer. His no. laugh makes me laugh. Uh, Diesel, your top three. All right. Coming in at number three, we're going with Euro Trip. Ooh, one of my favorites. Yep. Yeah, definitely for show. Yep. I, I didn't want to go with Road Trip because that was a college movie. Euro Trip, though, they were just graduating high school. And, and we'll, we, we'll give honorable mention to Road Trip, even though, yes, <laughs> technically it's not a teen movie, but it is in a way. But uh, we'll give honorable mention. It is outside. But Euro Trip, very good. Number two, I'm also going with Super Bad. I know I saw this movie several times in theaters, and I always found something to laugh at, and then watched it several times since the DVD release. Love this movie. Thought it was great. And then number one, we, we got to shout out the American Pie franchise. Yeah, except three. Uh, <laughs> one and two were great, and I actually enjoyed Reunion. But one was a goddamn game changer. Yes, there you go. <laughs> it was very much so. Good points. Good points. But you can make that same argument there. One is definitely a high school movie. After yep. that, it kind of goes, because yeah. two is more of a college movie, yep. and three is an adult kind of movie, because it's think a, about they're getting married, so it's like more of a... I'm not saying that they're adults, adults, because they're still in their 20s, but it's more of a adult... Like, in life, they're in their adulthood, because this past college, they're starting to, we're going yeah. to careers, we're getting married. So it was kind of like the story of high school graduation through adulthood. Yep. And then that, Reunion was cool, because then it's even later on. So that, I'll give them credit. They did a nice job of like telling a story of all these characters over years. Yeah. And of course, there was also those cheaper sequels that some of them were prequels, even though it didn't have the right <laughs> cast in it. So it's kind of like, I take points off for that. <laughs> the only returning cast member was Eugene Levy. <laughs> I, I also would like to give a shout out for uh, Red Hot American Summer. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the, the first one, obviously, they did the sequel recently, which is also good. And of course, Dazed and Confused. Yes. Because how could, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yep. How can we forget about that? Nick Cage. Or sorry, Nick Coppola. Nick <laughs> Coppola. By the way, we're going to talk about that in The Flash, too. <laughs> Did it? Nick Coppola showed up. Nick Coppola. So with that being said, that is going to do it for Diesel's movie Triple Stuff this week. But don't you fret. As soon as the Triple Stuff ends, we jump right into... Welcome to... Three events Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please... Keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, book certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That's right, it's time for the 3FN Movie Club Review. And of course, this week we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Camp Hardly Waits by reviewing it here on the 3FN Movie Club. For those of you who are new to the show, thank you for checking us out. Or for those of you who just need a reminder, when we do older films, we do it a little differently than we do the new films. So when we do older films, we do not split the show into spoiler-free and uh, full-on spoiler. There is a little split because obviously we give this, the stats of the movie. We give the little synopsis of the movie. And then, of course, we'll tell you who stars in it, who made it, all that stuff. So there is that split. But instead of having the break and spoiler alert, after we just real quick say, you know, give you a small warning and say, hey, we're going into the review. And then we just jump into the review because obviously this movie is 25 years old. It came out in 1998. I don't think that, that is, uh, yeah, I don't think you can spoil a movie that came out in 98. Yeah. And this is the type of movie where even if you find out what happens, 
you're still watching the movie for yeah. the, the the journey, not the destination. Yes, I, I agree with you completely. So that's just how we do older films, just to bring you up to speed. So if we get to the part where you know we're starting the review, and for some reason you think that you don't want to spoil or want to see it first, then stop it, go watch it on Max because it is on Max, and come back and then uh, listen to the rest of the show. So with that being said, Diesel. I believe you're going to kick us off because... Man, I got a story to tell. In an incel's wet dream, when power couple break up, an obsessive-compulsive, deranged lunatic who stalks and obsesses over the teenage heartthrob over breakfast pastries, will they or will they end up together? I like that synopsis. I mean, that, that leaves a lot out, but but that's why we go to you for the goofy yes. ones. So you guys don't know serious. But uh, Can't Hardly Wait was released on June 12th, 1998. Uh, Peek Behind the Curtain, we're recording this on June 19th, so seven days uh, previously yep. from when we're recording this actually came out. Uh, it has a runtime of 100 minutes, so uh, just over the hour and a half mark, an hour 40. Uh, $10 million was the budget. Uh, domestic and worldwide are the same, so I think it only got released here in the yeah. States. $25.6 million, so it doubled its money, so it did make its money back. Obviously, it does not lend itself to a sequel because it's not the kind of movie that gets a sequel. <sighs> so, But it did make its money back. So in, in a comedy realm, yeah. it actually made its money, and it's become quite the cult classic yes, as well. Uh, now that we found out those stats, it's time to find out who made the movie. Who made this scene? And of course, let's start with the directors. And it was a director and writer team. So it's a they both of them worked together for on writing this movie and directing this movie. We're going to start with the director. We'll talk tell about the names. It's uh, Harry Alfont and Deborah Kaplan. That's the team. Uh, directing wise, they directed this movie and Josie and the Pussycats in two thousand one. Yep. They wrote both of those movies. As far as the screenplay goes, the other movies that they wrote together: a very Brady sequel in ninety six, the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas in two thousand, Surviving Christmas in two thousand four, Maid of Honor in two thousand. 2008 and leap year in 2010 so harry alfont and deborah kaplan a lot of sequels a lot of uh, angsty stuff a lot of similar type movies just with different you know franchises oh absolutely similar movies <laughs> oh i can agree with you uh and the director of photography roy role is lloyd ahern the second 47 credits to his total. Uh, On the Edge in 1987, first movie. Uh, Last Man Standing in 96. Turbulence in 1997. Undisputed in 2002. American Wedding, 2003. And Dead for a Dollar in 2022. Of course, I didn't list off all his credits. Those were the ones that jumped off. And the most recent one was Dead for a Dollar. So you can kind of see this guy has kind of uh, a movie that he shoots. I mean, Turbulence was the only one that was really yeah. out of the way because that one was more CG than any of the other ones. Yeah. So, interesting uh, choice there. Now that we know who made the movie, it's time to find out who the stars were. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some stars? And this movie had a lot of young stars and some of them that went on to do great things and some of them that had very few roles. Yes. Uh, by choice, by the way. But let's start off talking about them. First of all, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Amanda Beckett, of course, at this point, Judge Your Party of Five and everything else. But let's talk about the movie she did. 1992 was her first movie, Munchie. Remember, she was in Munchie. Sister Act 2 in 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie that's very similar to this that came out a year before Chosen War in 1997. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, so we always talk about the two. Eventually, we will actually have to do a review maybe here on Patreon for Trojan War. They are a similar setting. Uh, one's a little more, uh, even though it's a teen movie, one's a little more of an adult situation because yeah. it's about having sex uh, more than it is about a relationship. 
uh, which is Trojan War. And of course, then, I know what you did last summer in 1997. I still know what you did last summer in 1998. Heartbreakers in 2001. And then she's done bit roles here and there and voice acting roles. Most recently, 9-1-1-2018 to the present 87 episodes. Yep. Uh, and of course, uh, listen... I was in love with Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> like, at this time in my life, I, you know, young, 1998, Rich is a 15-year-old boy, and I loved, and, I, I, and I'm not saying lust, I loved Jennifer Love Hewitt. Listen, John Mayer would write, your body is a wonderland about Jennifer Love Hewitt. That should just tell you all you know. She was America's sweetheart. Oh, like, yeah, she was. Like, she was gorgeous. And, of course, my other celebrity crush at the time was Jennifer Aniston, which is kind of, like, weird. <laughs> I.E.A., I, she's older. But, B, like, there's a differing level. Like, on Patreon, I was, like, discussing how I like, you know, like, girls that are obtainable. Jennifer Love Hewitt is kind of the girl next door that's, un, uh, that's obtainable. Still beautiful, but you, you know you can meet her. You've seen her in class. Jennifer Love Hewitt's, like, that movie star gorgeous they're like oh shit like next level she had brad pitt <laughs> you know what i mean does that make sense yeah. but yeah if uh if your if your song is getting named if a body is a your if your body is a wonderland look at i'm getting all heated up for jennifer <laughs> love Hewitt here i might need a minute we have to pause i'm just sawing it out oh. <laughs> uh so yeah jennifer love Hewitt definitely met a uh, woman crush hall of fame i don't know where you guys feel on uh, oh yeah definitely top 10 of all time <laughs> <laughs> top 10 baby I filled the cup right now. Uh, <laughs> next up, and I know that Diesel's a big fan, Ethan Embry played Preston Myers. He's the male lead. His first movie as a child, Dutch, in 1991. Yep. Oh, that's right. Of course, he was also in Diesel's favorite. He's who says, it still says the test of time, Empire Records in 95. Ron, what do you think about that? Doesn't hold up. Oh, it holds up much better <laughs> no, than everything else. No, it doesn't. Uh, that Thing You Do in 1996, I think that holds up. That, well, it's, it's from the past. That's I, why. I did a rewatch of that not too long ago. It's still enjoyable. It, it holds up because it is a period piece. Very fun. Yes, I still like that. <laughs> Vegas Vacation in 97, and he took on the role of Rusty. By the way, who's your favorite Rusty? Oh, hands down. It's Ethan Embry, because fuck Jason Lively and Johnny Galecki, not my cup of tea. Oh, that's I, I love Rusty in but Vegas Vacation. How about Anthony Michael Hall? Eh, Ethan Embry. Nick Papa Giorgio. <laughs> I'm, going with, I'm going with John Galecki. Oh, no. I, for whatever reason, I know it's like heresy, but Vegas Vacation is my favorite. I actually, no, I do enjoy Vegas yeah. Vacation. I'm not, I'm not nothing crapping on it, but I, I'm, I don't know why. For some reason, Johnny Galecki plays the role out of all of them. They, everybody kind of played the role of Rusty, kind of goofy, except for John Galecki, because he kind of let that kind of let uh, Chevy Chase shine more. Yeah, because like the scene in the like the department store, like. I yeah. always thought that that was kind of yeah. like fun yeah. for me. So that's why I've always liked him. But that's because of the movie, not necessarily acting. Uh, Ethan Embry would be in Disturbing Behavior in 1998. Sweet Home Alabama in 2002. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle in 04. And most recently, he was in Last Seen Alive in 2022. So he's still out there and doing great things. Next up, we had Charlie Corsmo playing William Lecter. And uh, by the way, this is he's the definition of child star. Yes. His first movie... In a great movie, Men Don't Leave in 1990. Then a legendary nerd movie, Dick Tracy, 1990. He played the kid. He was the yep. kid lead role. What about Bob in 91? Played yep. the son. And then he was in Hook in 91. He was Peter oh, Pan's son. He's Peter Pan's son. Yep. So, like, this kid has, like, made some of the greatest. And then he did not do any other films for a long time. He was in a film in 2018 called Chain for Life. Yep. So he left Hollywood, and then he came back for a role, which I obviously he really enjoyed and loved. I'd never se I've never seen that movie. But it was... Kid has had like one of the most amazing child starring roles of all time. Yeah. Fun fact about this movie, they actually wanted Ethan Embry to play that character. 
I can't see that. Exactly. Though. And he I was like, it, no, I want to be the guy who gets the girl. I think Charlie is perfect in this role. Yes. yes. The booking perfect. of Charlie is great. Perfect. And, and you know what the funny part is? After I realized all the stuff that he had done, I'm like, then I realized who he was. Because yeah. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, he is the kid from fucking Hook. Like, wow. <laughs> like, but at first you're like, what is that's weird yep uh next up lauren ambrose who played denise fleming in this movie her first movie was in and out in 1997 she was most known though for being on six feet under from 2001 to yep. 2005 huge success there where the wild things are in 2009 wonderlust in 2012 and most recently she's on yellow jackets making a little oh, resurgence nice. there so good for her and uh as far as the last one on deep dive we're not going to do the classical deep dive but i can't wait to hear diesel and ron list off some movies because let's be honest the last guy playing Kenny Fisher, a.k.a. Special K, the talk to me girl, is the one and only Seth Green, of course. What do we know Seth Green from, gentlemen? I think probably the biggest one currently would probably be the voice of Brian on Family Guy, but he's had an illustrious yeah. career going back from a kid to you know starring as a recurring role on that 70s show, yeah. being Dr. Evil's son in the Austin Powers movies. Like He has been in everything, and he is a great comedic yeah. actor. Party Monster, one of our favorite movies. We got to review that at some point for the 3FM Movie Club review. Uh, On top of that, you got to remember, creator and voice actor for Robot Chicken. Yep. Yep. I mean, there's not much Seth Green hasn't done. We could probably list off the things he hasn't done. Of course, Idle Hands, we didn't even mention that. Dude, Seth Green is an icon for our generation because he's he's in our generation. He's in that that age group. He's a fucking icon. There was was that sitcom with him and Giovanni Ribisi for a little while. I think... it's like fathers or dads or something like that. That was actually surprisingly good. I don't remember that one. But he has been in everything from animated yeah. voiceover yeah. work to TV hit TV shows yeah. to great movies. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy, uh, like he has been a in remake every- of the Italian Job. If you like it or not. Like, yep. I mean, he made Napster. <laughs> I'm just saying that. it's a funny yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's dive into some of these ones. We're not going to like dive into the roles, but we all know them, of course. And, and I, the thing that I remember him most for is obviously Halloween Resurrection, which is sad. But Sean Patrick Thomas, he plays Jack number two. <laughs> this is why we're not doing deep dive. Jack number two. Uh, next up, I got to give a shout out to uh, to sorry. Shout outs go to uh, David uh, David Faison. Yep, plays the yep. drummer. Yep, of course, yep. most of us know him from Scrubs and yep. amongst other things, <laughs> Clueless. Uh, but but Don- oh, sorry, I said David Donald Faison. Yeah. His I don't know why David came out. See, that's why we leave that in because I can mess up. Jamie Presley, girlfriend girlfriend number one. Yep. yep. Can you believe that Jamie Presley's role in this movie is girlfriend number one? Of course, Jamie Presley, she was a Nick girl. Yes, she was like the sex appeal for all of us teenage boys and all these movies. I am not complaining about that one single bit. And of course, Joe dirt, let's be honest. I'm your sister. I know that made diesel very, very happy. I just love the, uh, that whole twist of that movie where there's like, where you're just playing to the, the radio show. He's like, ah, oh, no, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> Then uh, next up, Chris Owen giving a shout out. He plays the Klepto kid in this movie, and that is one of my favorite subplots of any movie in the history of movies. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, that's one of my favorite things about this movie is just watch behind the scenes, and you'll just see him like taking stuff and putting it underneath his coat in the store at the house. He is great. You recognize him as Sherman from the American Pie franchise. That's correct. That <laughs> is correct. How about how about this one playing watermelon guy? The legendary at this point, Jason Siegel. Yep. Can yep. you believe that he was in this movie? Yep, yep. And they really wanted to give him a role in this movie, but they couldn't figure something out with his schedule, so they just gave him, you know, a small part and fucking nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a weird thing. 
shortly before this movie, this girl made a huge impact in a movie called Cruel Intentions. And in this movie, she just plays girl Mike hits on Selma Blair. Yeah. Yep. How, how great was that that Selma Blair is just randomly in this movie for like <laughs> this short, really throwaway cameo, yeah. especially after Cruel Intentions. Yeah. And I don't need to remind everybody why Cruel Intentions is well remembered. Oh. Yeah, look at these. I wish you guys could see what we're seeing right now. He's Many times. He's, he can't he's run away own. from you now, though. But there's two people. There's two people cameo wise in this movie that were uncredited, and I and I can't believe because one of them is also one of the better. There's a subplot in this movie about a yearbook and signing a yearbook, and the person that plays in that is I would say a teen celebrity icon, especially for our generation, oh, without a doubt. And that of course is the great Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. So she was in this movie, and I can't believe she's uncredited. But throughout the movie, she's trying to get people to sign the yearbook. These are our memories, people. <laughs> I, I, I love that, and I just can't believe that she did it uncredited. And the other one, who I want to say our generation, because he's technically the generation before yes. us, if you will, but everybody knows and loves Jerry O'Connell. And he is the uh, jock from high school that ends up at this high school party that ends up talking some sense into our uh, our hero, if you will. Or, sorry, our villain ex-boyfriend, I should say. I shouldn't say hero, because he's not a hero to anybody. But, uh, yeah. What are yeah. you talking about? Mike Dexter is a god. <laughs> Mike Dexter is a role model. Mike Dexter got us to talk about uh, about people who peaked in high school on Patreon. <laughs> but uh, yes, Mike Dexter is played by uh, Peter Fashionelli. You know yeah. him from uh, Nurse Jackie. I think that's where I like. He's done Fast a ton lane. of other things, but yes, yeah, yeah. There's like, but I've he's done a ton of stuff. Of course, uh, Twilight movies. I ne- I never watched him, but he's in the Twilight yeah. movies. A movie you can't talk about because of Kevin Spacey, The Big Kahuna, which is actually one of my favorite just dialogue-driven movies of all time. Yeah, I, I, I love that movie. I agree. So those are the people who starred in Can't Hardly Wait. This is where we're going to kick over to the review section. So if you do want to stop, stop it right now. Uh, we're not going to play the spoiler alert because there's no spoilers for a 25-year-old movie, in my opinion. So this is your final warning, and we're going to jump in. So we're not going to go through piece by piece of this movie because I don't think you have to. Uh, we were debating on it. There's like seven different stories that go on throughout this movie that kind of yeah. tie in a nice little bow. So we're just going to do our likes and dislikes, especially since it's an older film. We always like to start out in the positives. Let's start out in the likes. And I've already kind of said it, so let's play off of that as we go around the table. This movie has some of the best subplots of any movie ever. They are ridiculous, but they are the best subplots. Yes. Yes. Because everybody has a layer plot. Like Your main plot of this movie, of course, is the fact that Preston wants to be with Amanda all based on what Diesel he was the first person at Huntington Hills High to lay eyes on her and then of all the classes she gets put into his class and where does the teacher sit her right next to her and what does she grab in her bag a strawberry pop-tart which just so happens to be what he was eating at that exact moment it was fate it was fate but of course as she goes on she becomes the hot popular girl and she is dating Mike Dexter who is the football star and so therefore he's never had a shot but then Mike Dexter breaks up with her because he wants to uh, experience college poontang college women man we're done with these high school girls it's all about college women so one of the subplots of this movie is how every other football player is supposed to break up with their girlfriends either they don't do it or they get back with them yes and (laughs) and so mike is the only one that actually does it and like this movie goes so when you're going through this movie the subplots of this movie are ridiculous at one point in juncture uh jennifer of love hewitt's amanda so we'll just call her by her, her character in the movie is being hit on by her cousin yes 
by but it's by marriage. <laughs> That's what he keeps saying to her. She's like, but you're still in my family. Like it's it's some wild shit that like you go out of the way. So that's one of the, your main storylines. Now, at the same time, Denise is best friends with Preston. And she's just like, you are just hung up for no reason. And he's like, well, you just picked the wrong guys. And sure enough, she does because we get introduced to uh, our good friend, uh, Kenny Fisher. But Kenny Fisher isn't known as Kenny. He is known as Special K, girl. <laughs> and he has got his hoodlum friends these two dudes uh, the two white dudes that look like they're uh, and i'm gonna age ourselves they look like they're fresh out of the pretty fly for a white guy yes. music video yes on purpose obviously and uh they end up in locked into a bathroom together because special case trying to take advantage of some other girl who's like i'm gonna make out with the next guy that comes over here and he's like oh don't you cry angel hey girl <laughs> like dude my favorite part of of seth green's role in this movie is it'd be an i don't girl you you too, you too beautiful to be crying come over here tell special okay what you need girl yeah. <laughs> trying to sound like you know r kelly in an r&b hit and then of course gets locked in the bathroom <laughs> so later on later on that night you know, earlier in the night we find out he has this love bag and it's got all sorts of crazy stuff so he excuses himself from this girl he's just, he was like oh basically he'll do and he goes to the bathroom real quick to do his stretches and get ready to make out with this girl, which is stupid. And as as he's up in the bathroom, Denise comes in, and then they get locked in the bathroom together, which ends up leading to sex. Yep, and we find out that they were friends back in, like, the sixth grade, but Kenny was still trying to find his identity and wanted to fit in with the popular kids, so that's why he went the way he did, and her character is all about just want to get out of here. She, she, she's going to be the liberal arts major of a community college. You can tell. Yes. <laughs> so the uh, the third most important one, not secondary, the third most important plot line, storyline through this movie is the fact that we have William and his nerdy friends who have been bullied by the jocks, more specifically Mike Dexter. So they're plotting their revenge on Mike Dexter. And their plan, their plan is to... <laughs> And this is how you know this movie took place in 1998. Their plan is to uh, get him, uh, to drug him, get him, like, roofie him pretty much. And then they're going to lure him out to the garage. Two of them are going to jump off the garage roof onto him, strip him down, and take embarrassing photos. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about how that works out <laughs> later on. But, yeah, that's how you can tell it's 1990. Is this where you uh, started your 2023 eyes started to go, what the fuck? No, <laughs> the very beginning. And as much as I love Ethan Embry, the whole, well, I, I saw her first. She should be mine. It was just very, like, it started off on a very creepy beat for me, where it was just like, the objectification of women, which kind of comes out towards the end, where, you know, when uh, he finally gets a chance to talk to her, she has found his letter, but doesn't know it's from him. And she just freaks out on him. It's like, because everyone's been hitting on her, i.e. her cousin. Well, the funny part is she finds the letter and he's, she's trying to find this person from the letter. And yeah. he says something to her and she just has this amazing, amazing. freak out. Yes. Yeah. I, by the way, one of the best rants in movie yes. history. I'm, I'm not even joking. Yeah. I know this is a weird, cheesy high school comedy, but the Jennifer Love Hewitt like rant about what do you think? Just because the, you, know, you have a shoulder to cry on, I'm supposed to sleep with you? Like It's fucking like an amazing rant, by yeah. the way. It, it, think about it. It's women empowering in 1998. That's crazy. It is until... She finds out it's him. And yeah, he was like, that's oh. a weird beat. It's it, a weird beat. Because she finds out shortly after, after he runs off because he's embarrassed. Yeah. And she finds out from Denise that that's who wrote the, oh. Mind you, she could have, well, no, she looks in the yearbook. 
Yeah, because yeah, she's yeah. looking for Preston. Yeah, and he, she looks in the yearbook as yearbook girl. That's her full arc. <laughs> yeah. By the way, subplot of that movie is great. As she's going around the high school, <laughs> she's going around the party, she's going everywhere, and somebody eventually throws her yearbook in the pool. Yep. Yep. these are our <laughs> memories. <laughs> and you guys treat them like this. Such a great line. Uh, there's also the subplot of the band fighting each other all night. Yep, I always thought that's fun as well. You know, should we get back together, do a reunion show, yeah. <laughs> like, a reunion, <laughs> a couple new songs, nothing, nothing strenuous. <laughs> it's like. Good Jeez, guys. And then, you know, you have the Klepto kid in the background. By the way, that subplot is the best because it is just in the background. Yeah, it, he just shows up in the background and just takes stuff, and that's it. Like, at the gro- at the uh, convenience store, he's just taking two liters and piting him up under his shirt and walking out. He's taking, like, serving trays at the party. <laughs> like, it's just random shit. It's just funny to see in the background. I've always... I thought that was one of the best parts of this movie because it's just something there that's just kind of funny. Um, and then you got the watermelon subplot with Jason Siegel and the vodka melon. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, and one once again, watermelon guy, uh, which is funny now that Jason Siegel's gone on to be Jason Siegel. Yeah, huge. <laughs> you know, uh, so when you kick around this movie, some of my other favorites is some of the dialogue in this movie is amazing and like comedic dialogue. I mean, there's a when they're in the one of my favorite lines of all time, and it's one of the more it's one of the more throwaway lines, but it's fun. Is when the uh, pretty fly for a white guy group is in the gas station and they're talking about making love to people, and somebody quotes Biggie, and he's like, "Oh, oh B I G." R.I.P. <laughs> Rest in peace. Like, it's it's hilarious to me. Of course, there is the well-placed when they walk up to the group of black kids at the party, and uh, you don't hear the word, but they go, what up, my... And then all of a sudden, you hear the record scratch. And yep. then there's a chase ensues. So you understand what happened there, and I have always thought that, that was done well. Yeah, I do enjoy the the stereotypical tropes for high school groups and they how well they meshed at the party. You got the jocks. You got the popular girls. You got the stoners. You've got, you know, the fucking the, the, the wannabes, if you will. You have the nerdy kids, obviously. We just talked about that. By the way, the whole night, William is getting wasted. Because the subplot for Mike is Mike is on this journey. Like, oh, I left her for this. And he's realizing that it's a mistake. Yes, Yes. especially when he runs into Jerry O'Connell. Yes, and Jerry O'Connell's like, oh, man, I thought the same thing. And then... (laughs) You know what? Nobody wants anything to do with a freshman. You're just a freshman. It doesn't yep. matter. Also, uh, my favorite part is the tag online. Also, uh, buy a good pair of uh, slip-ons for the shower. Man, you don't want to get athlete's foot. It's terrible. Like yeah. You're just like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Jerry O'Connell plays the guy who peaked in high school and is still trying to li- relive that glory by going to high school parties in a very creepy, creepy way. And then Mike's even like, oh, you're a legend. It's awesome you're here. And he's yeah. like, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> the girls still talk about you. Really? Which ones? Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the tropes that they use, the stereotypical like high school tropes, were done really well. And the people that they got to play them did it to perfection. I will say that. No, I do. I agree. There, there was a lot of that stuff. And once again, one of my big things about this movie is it reminded me of my high school. Like, this is really a time capsule for those of us who are older. I get that, like, maybe if you watch it now in the eyes of a 2023 uh, kid like my, my son's grad. Graduating. So this is dealing with the graduating class. If he watched it, I think he might be like, oh, well, this is crazy because it's not what happens now. But when I watch this movie, and so I can only speak for me, yeah. it literally does transport me because parties were like this in high school. You know, there was always the rich person, especially when I moved to the school I graduated from, which was very affluent. There was always the, the rich person's kid who threw the parties and we would do crazy wild shit. Yeah. I mean, not to the extent that they do in this movie, obviously, this movie, but still some wild, crazy shit went down. Yeah. And everybody getting drunk and the tropes were there because there would not be all the groups just like this. So really when I watch this movie, I'm like, man, this is just like my high school. And in 1998, I was, I was living that, Yeah. you know, even though I was a freshman, I was also, you know, the star, I was a star athlete. Uh, so 
when that happened, I was invited to parties in my freshman year. All through high school, I, I went and partied with people. So this reminded me of high school immensely, which is, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those people who always peaks there, but whenever I put this in, I'm like, oh man, this is, this is real life. Yeah. In my extent. So I think they got, they got it right in my estimation. For me, they just needed to have the cowboy group because I, I, I went to school in the sticks. <laughs> yeah. But, well, you know what? Say me because you got to get, remember, I went to Maine and well, I'll say where I went to school. Uh, but uh, yeah, we had what they called the Mainers. Sorry if any of you guys are listening. And that was everybody who lived in the town of Maine. And the town of Maine is out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, the farmlands. So Endwell is like, you know, next to Endicott. It's in the greater Binghamton area. It's very city-like. And then you have Maine, which is literally farmland. Yeah. <laughs> like not all farmland, but it's there's a lot of farms, a lot of big acreage. Like a lot of people I knew that lived in Maine, their nearest neighbor was like, you know, half a mile away and shit. So like it's a whole nother realm. So we had that. We had that as well. But that was that was missing. Yeah. We, we were missing the Cowboys in for my high school experience, you could get away with the hip hop wannabe kids and put them with kids in Jankos and like the eighteen inch chain wallets and stuff like that. That those were our guys. And there was there was a missing of the goss. Yes, there, there's a little minor representation, but not enough to because uh, there was a lot more goth kids, and those were the ones. That, and then, the, like I said, I didn't see as many of the Janko wears. Yeah, I, I'd like to see more Jankos at this party. Yeah. Denise was probably the closest thing we had to a goth in this movie. Yes, but yeah. she didn't do the whole the whole yeah. goth. We had like you know you know what I'm talking about yeah. the full on goth look, yeah. black lipstick, black hair dye, all that happy dress. But yeah, I I, I do. These <laughs> <laughs> was it was it that or the Janko jeans that did it for you, brother? I did the Janko jeans for a long time well you know why there wasn't a difference and i, I will say this this is not in the movie but you know why there wasn't a difference between the the hip-hop wannabe kids and the kids that wore the jankos because the hip-hop wannabe kids were wearing south pole jeans yeah. south pole jeans and jankos are kind of the fucking same thing yeah let's be honest but uh let's pass it around some more likes diesel absolutely adore the soundtrack oh it's so good it's a time it's a time capsule it is a time capsule of the late 90s any movie that opens up with E6 open road song, my heart melts. <laughs> and then to go into the next song being Smash Mouth, Walking on the Sun, not all-star, but when they were actually good. Oh. <laughs> I love how you clarify that when they were actually Fu- good. Fushu Mang was an underrated album. I do love the I love the soundtrack. Um, again, uh, I did enjoy the casting of this movie and the roles that they were supposed to play. I think they nailed getting who... who to play who because like we were saying before ethan Embry was originally supposed to play the the nerdy kid and he was he fought and he was like no i want to be the guy who gets the girl and i think that was a good gamble that paid off because yeah. ethan Embry is not a bad looking guy but he's also in this movie especially he makes himself look like the kid next door but it works out because you're like oh i could see him with the attractive girl but at the same point in juncture you could also be like i get that he's not popular yeah, he, like then you look at the mike dexter kid and he's like got the muscles yeah. and the tan and you know yeah and it's not like ethan Embry plays like an unpopular he's just more invisible like right. he he has his group of friends and that's good but he doesn't really mingle with everybody else as well. And other people interact with him fine. Yeah. So it's like he's one of those kids that kind of floated. Like I, I call them floaters through high school because they're kind of like it, they didn't belong. They had their group of friends, but they didn't belong to a larger yes. group. But everybody in the larger group knew the person and didn't dislike them. It wasn't like they were like, oh, that's my friend. But they were like, oh, hey, Ethan's here. What's up, man? Like, you know what I mean? There's always those 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 kids that kind of did that. And I, I thought that was perfect for him. Yeah. And this is going to sound like a dislike, but it takes me back to the place and it's very cringeworthy. But when you th- when you don't know how to talk to women and you think that they should like you, it's that weird nice guy mentality. I think they played this off really well in this movie. True. Yeah, I can agree with you there. 
I can hundred percent agree with you there. I, I think there was, believe it or not, I think the writing nailed what it was like to be in high school in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. I really think that they nailed it. And like I said, I think a lot of that had to do with casting. So the casting director did an amazing job uh, casting everybody for this film. I think the logical conclusion for this movie though was Preston ended up with Denise, not 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 Kenny. Honestly, <laughs> I I agree with you there. And I'll even give you another ending when we get there because okay. we're going to talk. I'll talk about that separately because that is actually one of my negatives. Is actually this movie's ending. Uh, Ron, anything you want to add to likes for Can't Hardly Wait? Uh, this was definitely you know even for me it was my you know, high school even though I graduated in '97, um, but this was pretty much what it was, especially yeah. for me because I was the dude that knew everybody and was in every clique because I had people friends in every clique. So and people and I would walk around and people, like I didn't have any issues. So, you know, everybody was like, hey, it's Ron, it's Ron. You yeah. know, you know, later on, they're like, you were the preppy motherfucker. I'm like, yeah, but you liked me, didn't you? He's like, yeah, pretty much. You know, because it's just what it was. And this movie just hits home like that when you rewatch it. Because um, every stereotype there was yeah. <laughs> been there, done that. So, you know. So it, what you're saying is you were like Ethan. So what girl would hate the same Pop-Tart as you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. I Did you ever it. fall in love with a girl because of Pop-Tart choice? No. Not I mean, if I. If she was eating a goddamn s'mores pop uh, tart, nothing. But because it was a strawberry one, fate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't this movie does uh, yeah. any more likes though no I mean it's, it's a solid movie it's a fun watch and it does take people back in 2023 this movie does have problematic parts I mean <laughs> let's be honest the whole plan from the nerds on the jock and now mind you I believe Mike Dexter deserves everything he gets <laughs> he is kind of an asshole you know what I mean and and you know he, at one point he's pouring his heart out to William and William's like oh man we've become friends kind of and then next thing you know uh, the ambush goes down and they end up not realizing the person with him is William. So they strip them down to their boxing shorts, put them in a compromising position and take pictures. And then when they realize it's their friend, instead of doing the right friendly thing. But then again, let's be honest, nerds would run off anyway. So yeah. they ran off and they end up going to jail because they're running from the cops. And uh, then, of course, Mike does the right thing and helps get William out. But then when Mike, when William goes to thank him at the uh, diner yep. and the posting, uh, he treats him like crap again. Yeah. And I'm just like, so all of that was for nothing? You never really turned this guy at all? Like, so we just wasted. And of course, we get the epilogue, little screen things of the people at the end. And it's like Mike is uh, becomes a gas station attendant or yeah, whatever. Car wash. He just lost and, his job at the car wash because of incriminating evidence that showed up. Yes. And then you have William. They lead you to believe that he's Bill Gates. Yes. Even though it wouldn't line up because Bill Gates was already around then. But. Oh, another thing I like, too, is the introductions to each of the characters, how they went to the yearbook photo with, you know, their senior quote, where they're going to college and any groups they were in. I thought that yeah. was really well done. I thought yeah. they did a lot of good stuff. Like, I'm, I'm not going just to complaints there. I'm just saying that that was problematic. I can see in 98 where we all thought it was funny, like, tee hee hee, look what they did. But now I can see somebody watching it going. Well, basically, is that kind of like rape or shame or... <laughs> at least it didn't go for the, the cop-out ending of like them being a homosexual couple together because gay is funny at the time. Well, that that wasn't... Well, yeah, but I, I don't think that that was where they're going because yeah. the high school yeah. thing. Uh, they turn around and like... Uh, the other like good parts of the movie, like I said, the dialogue, there's a lot of great funny jokes in it. And as a comedy, you need that. Yeah. I thought that they tied all the... Even if I didn't like some of the endings, which we'll get to in a minute, they tied everything up nicely. That, at the end of the movie, it's all tied into a nice bow, whether it's you know what plays out in front of you or also they give you the little yeah. epilogues uh, for every, every character as well, all the main characters, that is. Right. So let's go to negatives of this film. I'm going to start it off because let's just go to the end of this film. The one thing that drove me nuts, and I get it, it's in the era of we have to have the happy ending. 
And that's really what this was. Think about it. The late 90s, early 2000s, if we're doing a comedy or a rom-com, because this isn't a rom-com. This is a regular comedy. Yeah. It's a teen comedy. But if you're doing a regular comedy or rom-com where there's either a love interest or something to do with family or whatever, we have to have the happy yes. ending. Now, I, I think we uh, overcorrected that when we got to like the click era <laughs> of uh, depressing endings for comedies. Yeah. But, well, that's another story for another day. But in this movie... At the end of the day, we already kind of mentioned it. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's Amanda is at the party. Preston, she's been looking for the person who wrote the note. She knows that his name is Preston. Doesn't know what he looks like. Which goes with your saying he's invisible. They did a great job of showing that he's invisible. Right? However, uh, they have this amazing rant. Preston's like, fuck me, I guess. You know what I mean? (laughs) That was my chance. That is my life. And, you know, I can understand in high school. Eventually, you know, the, 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 the payoff is that... The yearbook girl, Melissa Joan Hart's character, comes around and she grabs the yearbook for her and she thinks that she's going to sign it at first and she's talking about memories and she's flipping through and she finds Preston and she goes, oh shit, the guy that I talked, ran my mouth to is the guy who wrote the letter about loving me that I've been looking for. Yeah. So the logical ending, like you said, you know, because we get to a part where right before she tries to find him, can't find him. And there's a scene where Denise and Preston are at the football field the next day after this party. And Preston is going to be leaving to go to college. So he's going to the train station, we find out after. But he's having this conversation with Denise. And, you know, Denise is giving him the best friend talk about, you know, hey, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. And then he's just like, yeah, but Kenny Fisher? Or should I say Special K? And she's like, shut up. He's he's cute. It's, it's just okay. And, like, like, there's this all weird, like, dialogue. which And I liked it because it yeah. does sound like kids' dialogue. But then we go to the train station. And at the train station, Amanda's there waiting for him. We find out before he gets on the train. And then, of course, they have the happy ending kiss and everything. And I'm like, that shouldn't be how this movie ends. Yeah. Like, logically, we could. I like what you said. Denise and, and, and Preston end up together. Although that would be exactly like Trojan War. Yeah. Exactly like a movie that's similar to this, also starring Jennifer Love Hewitt. So that would be kind of problematic. So I, I get why they didn't do that. But the other option is, like, that you just miss love. That's it. Or it's, it wasn't love, and but you have a chance for personal growth. Right. And then you have, like, the epilogue. It's like, the epilogue is that they go on to get married. Hey, you know, happy days are here again. Yeah. The long-distance relationship works out for them. And the weird part about all of that stuff is just, like, you could have just gone that he went on to be successful and get married and all that stuff, and she went on to be successful and get married. And it's still a separate happy ending, but they never knew who the other one yeah. was. And I thought that that would have been a better ending because that's more real life. Because, like, if I'm writing, and I mean, I get it, I get it. I'm not the one writing the movie and we're reviewing a movie that happened. But I always have to think sometimes, I, I said that wrong, but I always like to think what I would have done if I was the director or writer. And I think if I wrote a movie living, and I guess it's coming from a 40-year-old standpoint now, I would be like, oh, man, I'm going to end this movie more realistic. And more realistic to me is that you just don't get the girl. Yeah. So I think that's where I would have gone. So that's a big negative for me. I am with you a little bit. I know I teased you about being woke. And I mean, let's be honest, we're all liberals in this room, whether people like us or not for it. (laughs) So I guess there's a little bit of that. And there is a couple of times in this movie, now watching it back, where I went, that didn't age well. Uh, It didn't age well. Not enough that I hated it. But I'm just like, oh, that didn't age well. And I get it. You have to look at the things in the time period that they're in. And you know I always like to do that. But there was a couple of times where I was like, I don't think that would work in this day and age. So there's a few of those. And then there's like these little worthless interactions that happen. But it's not a long movie, so I guess it didn't bother me as much. But that's just my nitpick there. Negatives, Diesel. Okay, so going to your last point right there. 
for a short movie, there is a lot of dead storyline in this where, granted, the whole thing takes the course of you know a day and a night. You could have gotten rid of some of the subplots, not the fun ones like the klepto kid or the watermelon, but there's a couple things where like it goes from scene to scene and nothing happened. I could be honest, you could have gotten rid of the band stuff. Because yeah. that was kind of, <laughs> there, there was a couple funny parts of that, but most of it was kind of, yeah. uh, The open of the movie, you know, the high school graduation, what in the Dan Schneider were all those foot shots? Yeah, you noticed that too? <laughs> yeah, first thing, I'm just like, what, Dan Schneider fucking DP this? <laughs> it was just a little weird. Um, it paid off with the, you know, when you get to Ethan Embry as Preston sitting there next to the one guy that's kind of annoying him, like, oh, you know, I'm naked under this. And you see his feet go away. But then when he finds out about Mike and Amanda, he, he moves back in. Yeah. It was, it was kind of funny, but I don't think you should have done like a two-minute scene just for that little payoff. No, but, I agree with you. Um, so you got that. A lot of the stuff doesn't age well. You know, roofing and all that type of stuff. Just not a good look. And my biggest gripe... So we had the weirdest introduction to the Amanda character because they hid what she looked like for no reason. So when she first gets to the school, he's down, you know, like picking up his books. And then when she looks up from her desk, someone's passing a book in front of her face. There was no point to that. I don't think that was Jennifer Love Hewitt. Well, I don't think it was supposed to be because she was younger, right? Like technically, I think that's where they're going with it. They were slightly younger. Yeah, yeah, it was ninth grade, but... It might have been that they couldn't get her for that day or something like that, yeah. but it was just weird to just do it like yeah, that. Because, yeah, yeah. seriously, how long do you need to shoot that scene? Like yeah, she, sure. already, she already looked young, so... Yeah. Well, also on top of that, I want to point out that we know she's the star of the film, yeah. so we know that's yeah. who it is. So I, I agree with you, it's a little annoying. Yeah. However, it, giving them some credit, because we don't know, it could actually be like Ron said. Maybe she couldn't make the shoot, yeah. so they just did what they did. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, same coin... The Jack guys were clearly not 17, 18 years old. They were grown-ass men. <laughs> or are you trying to say Sean Patrick Thomas was older than what he was? <laughs> it was just one of those weird castings where it's just like, you mean those guys are men. It's like house party. <laughs> You're trying to tell me those guys are 17? Nah, dude. <laughs> I like to believe that this was a nod at Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because if you remember that movie, all the guys in that look like grown-ass men. Yeah. Yeah. Like the one dude that's uh, the basketball-playing vampire. He literally looks like a grown-ass like 30-year-old man and <laughs> yeah. he's a high school kid. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I get you. But that was a weird thing. Like, throughout the 90s, 80s, 90s, and it started to stop in the late 90s yeah. because then we had like this renaissance of like young talent, obviously like the faculty and disturbing behavior and stuff like that. And like obviously Ethan Embry is a younger guy. Jennifer Love Hewitt at the time was like right around the right age for it. So like you have that. But yeah, it was kind of left over from the 80s that book like older people for some yeah. some ungodly reason. Yeah. Ron, you got any dislikes? Yeah, it, like you said, it, for people that weren't in school at this time, I don't see them liking this movie. Um, it, it doesn't bring anything for them because, like I said, it doesn't age very well. Uh, the the whole time crunch thing doesn't make sense because it's like all of a sudden he's driving home from the party because he just got yelled at at two a.m. because he sees uh, the the angel strip. Jenna, Jenna Elfman, yeah, Jenna, angel. Okay, the angel because he wanted to ask Barry Manilow at two a.m. a question about the song, and it's like. No, like at 2 a.m. like and then all of a sudden and what high school kid in the 90s like Barry Manilow yeah. well the song was Mandy Mandy's close to Amanda <laughs> obviously it's fate I'm just pointing it out but did you like Barry Manilow and you're in the when you were in high no, school no I granted I was horrible and still trying to find my own identity 
Oh, boy, my musical choices were... Is that when you used to wear a fedora? I didn't wear a fedora. I wore a fishing hat. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, those are in style now. Yeah, yeah. They're in great... Like the Gilligan-style fishing hats. Yeah, well, it kind of was in style there, because didn't uh, the... was the brand new warm in the Get What You Get video, yeah. right? <laughs> oh. And now he's like, fuck you for bringing Dude, that up. I was a cringy fucking kid, man. <laughs> Did you wear Jankos? For for a time, okay. or knock off Jankos because I couldn't afford Jankos. I'm, I'm happy that you at least admit it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, I was a little fucking puke. Listen, had no identity. I, I started most of my schooling career in Binghamton and then moved to Maine Endwell, which is like night and day pretty much. Yeah. I thought when they told me I could write in my textbooks that they were trying to trap me and get me in trouble. That's a whole other story for another day. Maybe we'll tell it on Patreon. Uh, but I dressed kind of like the preppy thing at the time. So I, you know, I wore Tommy Hilfiger jeans, polo shirts to school. Now the kids just wear sweatpants and stuff. I'm kind of jealous because you used to, for, for us, we used to have to get dressed up for school for some reason. I don't know why. I think that was just no, acceptable. No, nobody wanted to wear freaking jogging or sweatpants sweatpants or, or t-shirts like like if you wore a t-shirt it had to be a designer t-shirt it couldn't be yeah. like a, a regular you know and that was like unheard of because usually it was a button-up or a yeah. polo shirt yeah we dressed very preppy it was weird yeah it was weird yeah i don't know if i like the fact that i wish i wish i would have gone to school now or sweatpants or the <laughs> thing and gym shorts or the thing yeah no <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that, that was ridicule if you if you wore them um, but like I said, it's like all of a sudden this party takes, you know, starts off, you know, we'll even say it started at nine o'clock at night because it was dark out. Okay, fine, whatever, nine, ten o'clock. Well, it's like 2 a.m. He's dri- driving home and he has to call and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden he's like, got to go back to the party. And the cops finally get called. Yeah. Like the cops would have been called hours before all this people. Let's be honest, especially at a, at the rich person's house. Oh, at Huntington Hills High. Yeah. Oh, that they're they're paying their taxes up there. Yeah. That's so, calling nine one one and saying white person in trouble. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that is an entitled area. So it's like eh, the timing of I get it, but it's just like. Uh, I mean, that's why we did most of our parties outside. In the woods. Yep. yep. I was going to say, we in this area, we live in, like, Binghamton's a populated area, but if you drive 10 minutes in any direction, it is literally, in, you're in the middle of the country. So, yeah, we, we up in, when I went to Manhattan, well, we partied at the reservoir, so the res, mm. that was a big thing. The tracks. And, you know, people's we, houses. We literally had a spot right behind houses that yep. we went to. And the funny part is, it got finally got shown up and it, um, after I graduated and all that stuff. About a year later, the stupid idiot kids that were going up there because they saw where we were at build a bonfire. And I'm just like, oh, you fucking idiots, you're going to get caught. And, uh, you know, it happened happened to be driving to my parents' house and see the cops standing like, What's going on? Huh? Watching the fire up there, you know. Huh? I'm like, oh, that's nice. He's like, yeah, we're just waiting for them to get drunk because then they can't run. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you're, sh- you're shitting me, right? He's like, nope. I definitely had some parties where I ran from the cops. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I laid down in the back of a truck bed to get away. Uh, that's that's happened. That's been known to happen. Anyways, continuing on. Uh, any more likes or dislikes from you gentlemen before we move on? All right. Since there's no more likes or dislikes, before we give our scores, we got to find out what the scores from around the internet are. And you know how we like to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Well, it's time to play the game, and of course, Ron's on one hell of a winning streak. Let's see if Diesel can take that away this week. Game's played simple. It's prices right and rules. It's close to the number without going over. Of course, uh, the first of three points get it. The last question, though, is closest to the number because it's the tiebreaker, and we don't do 
ties here on the 3FN podcast, so that is closest to the number, and sometimes it's worth two points if it has to be. Gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Oh, yeah. All right, Diesel, since you're the challenger, you go first. IMDb, out of 10 using points, what did they give? Can't hardly wait. It was a moderate success, but I don't think it's well-received. I'm going to go with a solid four. Four from Diesel. Ronald, what do you give it? I'll give you a little wiggle room and go five. Okay. Ron saying five. You said four. four. And the survey says Ron gets the point six and a half out of ten. Oh, okay. okay. Next up, Metacritic. Remember, this is critics only. Ron, you get to go first out of 100%. What did they give? Can't hardly wait. 46. 46. Diesel. One dollar, Bob. <laughs> 46 and one dollar, Bob. And survey says Ron gets the point, 52%. Okay. Ron, you could get a clean sweep right here and get the win, but Diesel, you get to go first. Ron Tomatoes, critic score. This is the critic score, remember. Out of 100%, what did they give? Can't hardly wait. Oh. How low you want to go? 40%. We're sticking at 40. 40%. 40 is my magic number for this. Ron. 42. 42. I'll give, you, I'll give you the extra. Is that enough for Ron to win the game? We'll find out right about now, and... Diesel gets the block. It was 40% right oh, on the money. Nice. Oh. So you're stayed in by the skin of your teeth. You gotta get teeth. you've got to get the rest of these right to win, by the way. Ron, you get to go first here. Ron Tomatoes fan score out of 100 percent What did they give? Can't hardly wait. Ron Tomatoes fan score. Uh 72. Oh, Diesel. That's a good guess. Oh. I got to play the numbers. One dollar, Bob. <laughs> All right. It's all or nothing. Right? Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, it paid off 63% oh, for Diesel. And it's tied up. So this last question, it's closest to the number and winner takes all. And Diesel, the championship advantage is here for Ron. So you get to go first. Google users out of 100%. What did they give? Can't hardly wait. 86 Ooh, so Ron, where are you So if it's anything below 80, if it's anything above 86, Diesel wins. Anything below 86, Ron wins. And ladies and gentlemen, that means we definitely have a winner. Your winner. And still, <laughs> Ron, 77%. Okay. That's a low one it for is. Google. Well, it, it was, it's, 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 it's a, a it's weird. Also, it's also an old, really old cult movie. classic movie. And yeah. the older movies tend to go lower on yeah. Google. We've, we've done some really good old movies that were lower than what we, they should yeah. definitely be. So with that, we have now come to find out what the internet thought about it. Now it's time to give our scores. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. All right. So uh, we're first we're going to give the nerd score, followed by my critic score. Of course, the nerd score is a recommendation score for you fine folks. It's made up of our critic score mixed with entertainment score, which means it could be critically bad, but as long as it was entertaining, it could get a boost in the score. With that being said, there's only five parts for the nerd score, and they are as follows. A one is a no. That means the movie is terrible and it should never be watched. A two is you've been warned. That means the movie's not quite terrible, but it ain't good, so you've been warned not to watch. A three is, ah, it's good. That means it's an average to good film. It's not a groundbreaking film. It's not essential to see, but if you happen to catch it on television, or in this case, it is on Max, and you have it on the background, you're not going to regret seeing it, but at the same time, you don't need to go out of your way to see it. A four is just take my money that is the good that's the very good to great films those are films are essential to see you should go out of your way to see them if you haven't seen them you could feel free to you know rent them on amazon prime if you have to you can feel free to add them to your collection maybe even buy the steelbook if you liked it enough 
but they're definitely worth spending money on and definitely going to see and making a point of it. And last but not least is the rarefied air that is called Certified Nerd. These are the legendary films. These are movies like Jaws and Jurassic Park and that kind of ilk that, uh, you know, you're going to add to your collection. You're going to watch them whenever they're on. You are going to probably, you know, put them in a rotation. This is the creme de la creme, the best of the best. That is why they are Certified Nerd. Gentlemen, we are about to give our scores for Can't Hardly Wait. We'll start with Ron. What is your nerd score and why? I'm, I'm, I don't know which way to go with this one. I'll, pro, I'll just, I'm just gonna give it a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um, like it, some parts didn't age very well, so I can see why people now wouldn't like it. But I also understand like people that were in high school around this time watched it back then, loved it back then, would want to watch it again. Like it's one of those teen comedy movies. If you want something to watch for background noise with some laughs and some jokes and you haven't seen it, it's not it's not a waste of time. You're in and out pretty quick. Um, and it's, you know, it is entertaining. And it is a, a young cast that have, some of them came to be stars and whatnot and did their own things. And uh, it's it's worth a watch, but I can see why you would want to skip it. Diesel, you're up next. All right. I This one, I got to say, 10, 15 years ago, this was an easy four. But we have landed on a three. It's good. It's good. I could make a case for a two on this, but the soundtrack, the nostalgia of it all really held up. It just, it didn't age well. So we, st- I still found a lot of enjoyment out of watching this, but I, I'm at a three. Like you don't need to see it. If you do see it, you might be offended by some of the parts. You might not, but it's, I just don't think it aged well enough to maintain a four. For 1998, this movie checks all the boxes. I I want to throw that out there. 98, this is top 10 teen movies of all time. Easy top five. It it checks all the boxes. You have great comedy. The acting is actually good in this film. Mostly brought on because the roles are perfectly casted in this film. You got to give them credit for that. The soundtrack, like you said, is amazing. Like for the time. Now, mind you, this is a time. You know, this is a timepiece, and not the fact that it was. Uh, you know, we're making a movie in 1990s for the 1960s. No, it's a timepiece because it is 1998 in a con- you know in 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 another universe. This is the late 90s, early 2000s. If you did not grow up in this area, you're not going to be nostalgic for this area. If we're talking about me personally, as far as what I think about this movie, this is a four all day for me because it takes me back to high school and I had a decent time in high school and I love doing it. But the nerd score isn't just about me. The nerd score is actually. A recommendation. So, with that being said, I'm actually also giving this a three on the nerd scale. It's good. It's good. It's good. In 1998, this would be an easy four. You know, and I mean, I might even be able to make an argument for five in 1998. Uh, I don't think it would have made it there, but I'm just saying it's it's a, it's a great. If you go back in time, the critic score on this is actually. I think that I'm being fair, and I'm also going to go a little higher than a lot of people probably would go for this film. I give it a six and a half out of ten, and the reason why is because it does actually check the boxes. The shooting was really good. Uh, I thought the cinematography in this film is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Like I said, the joke telling is great. Uh, the, it hits all the funny t- lines. You have, and even if you have a serious scene somewhere in that scene, you had the klepto kid in the background, or the watermelon gag, or the yearbook. Which those three things are a way to have serious stuff going on, but still remind you that it's a comedy at the end of the day. Because I think that they did deal with some serious stuff. They're dealing with the relationship stuff. They did deal with some women empowerment stuff. And in 1998, you got to say that's pretty much. That's a big win. That rant alone did not happen in most movies. Yeah. The Jennifer Love Hewitt goes on. So I'll give it the win there. Is there some questionable shit for the for the 2023 eyes? Absolutely. But then again, 
There is for a lot of yeah. things. I mean, we've grown as a society. We've grown in what we assume. And sometimes I think that we need to just have fun for the sake of having fun. So I could get how a, a younger generation like my kid watching this movie might not get all the jokes. He might not think some of it's funny. He might even cringe at some of it. You know, it's kind of like when I showed a Monster Squad, you know, and I forgot yeah. the, some of the language in that movie. Yeah. I still love the movie, but, eh, you know, there's some cringy moments. And it's just one of those situations where this movie's the same. And you get that a lot in, in, in movies. So remembering that and just using it at the time i still enjoyed the watch of this like when i rewatched this the other day for this show i went oh man i i found everything still funny and it did it took me back to 1998 in that generation yeah. and me going to high school and as somebody who is uh doesn't do the whole i peaked in high school thing uh, you know like a lot of you know we talked about that in patreon if you guys want to hear about it um it's kind of nice sometimes to just go, oh, man, yeah, that that was kind of weird. That's kind of wild. You know, I didn't find myself in the exact positions, but I remember those groups. I don't think those groups still now exist in schools. Yeah. I think the groups are different, but I remember those groups. And I remember being at parties and every group being represented and everybody in their clicky areas. And that's how it worked. And that's how you did. And you kept to your group and, you you know, whatever. I mean, for me, I crossed some groups because I was even though I was a, a, a jock, if you will, and preppy, if you will, I was also a nerd at heart. So I was also reading comic oh, yeah. books and watching pro wrestling so yeah. those things weren't you know well, well actually when i was in high school watching pro wrestling yeah. was popular nwo and dx baby yeah. attitude era did save did save me there but i i read comic books and yeah, yeah. remember at that time there wasn't the marvel cinematic universe being no. a nerd wasn't necessarily cool oh if you got recognized yeah. as a comic book store from somebody in high school ooh. dude I, I played magic in the corner we played magic every day in the freaking corner that's what diesel did yeah Oh, no, that was college, right? That was college. College is when I really got into it. But I did play in middle school with a group of friends, but we just no, it lasted maybe a semester. Oh, in no, middle we were, school, every, I played every, pogs. Every day, at lunch. every day at lunch, we were up in the top. We did pogs. I was going to say, they had to ban pogs from our school dances because, uh, yeah, <laughs> gambling and pogs was a thing. Oh, <laughs> somebody got their pogs stolen, but they wound up just actually misplacing them, and they got pogs taken away from the entire school. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, Fuck our, you. Ours, we because Binghamton has four buildings now. We were in the A building in the top corner in science. That's where we play magic. Nobody bothered us. Yep. We didn't care. People walk by. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, what's going on? Blah, blah. Yeah. Well, that is uh, Can't Hardly Wait. Those are our scores. If you want to talk about Can't Hardly Wait, hit us up on those social medias. And if you want those links, it's easy to go to 3fnpodcast.com. Of course, next week we will be reviewing The Truman Show and finding out how close that is to the Diesel Delusion. Of course, celebrating its 25th anniversary as well because it came out in June of 1998 as well as Can't Hardly Wait. But until then, Ron, I believe you have some business to attend to. One out of ten stars. I don't like Harry Potter because it presents a bad model for kids, and the two side characters are more interesting than the main character. Above all, when Hermione tries to show Ron how to correctly cast a spell, Ron did not appreciate the help. Instead, he uses it to bully Hermione, and Harry follows Ron for that. In the end, Hermione is the one who says, sorry, not Ron. This really is bad because it teaches kids to bully good students and discourage sharing for help. In addition, I find Harry is just so blank. I am not more interested in Hermione or Ron than Harry. In conclusion, I don't like Harry Potter due to the lack of interest in the main character, and most importantly, the book shows bad model for kids. One out of ten stars. Before Diesel jumps in, I want to say, fuck you, Ron, for being a bully. And on top of that, congratulations <laughs> on being the star of Harry Potter, for what I've just found out. Diesel? Is this a movie about kid wizards? If he bullies Hermione, that means he likes her. And spoiler alert, guess who gets the girl? Fucking Ron. Yeah, goddamn Ron got the dude, girl. Dude, there's, there's one that I've been avoiding just because it's not nothing about the movie. It's just that his trip got canceled. 
Oh, hey. You want to read it real quick? No. Real quick? <laughs> save that one. Save that one. Save that, okay. that, we'll give that to next week because we're okay. gonna need some. We're gonna need some comedy relief for oh. next week. Because that, that's it's just it's just about his trip that got canceled. So it's <laughs> a travel advisory fucking <laughs> review. I've been avoiding of going around it. He was he was uh, he was actually looking to write for someone to trip advisor. We're gonna need that next week to come uh-huh. out of the diesel delusion. So let's save it for next week. Okay. We'll save With that. that that's going to do it for this week's episode of the 3FN Podcast. Of course, I hope you enjoy uh, the show, and I hope you'll be back next week to hear us talk about The Truman Show. But until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds! Later. Don't look back. You can never look back. Harry Potter just sucks, people. <laughs>